anti-trafficking organization, Beauty for Freedom, and co-host of Breaking Distance, our podcast with the mission to connect communities while igniting change. And I'm Raj Shah, visual designer, photographer, Beauty for Freedom ambassador, and your co-host for this episode. Today, we have an extraordinary creative mind here with us, Brian Michael Stanzial. Brian is a well-renowned designer, fashion stylist, entrepreneur, and artist who founded Sloan NYC, and he designed and co-launched a ready-to-wear collection, which debuted exclusively at Barney's. His designs have been worn by some of the most notable celebs in the world to include Oprah Winfrey, Kate Hudson, Rihanna, and Sofia Coppola, to name a few. Brian, we're super honored and so excited to have you with us this evening. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me. It's really uh, it's awesome to be here and talk with you guys. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's, you know, kind of like the conversation that Raj and I were having, just going through your history. It almost seems as if you've lived like several lifetimes in one already and you're so young. <laughs> I, I think we, we all share a, a common root uh, and that's New York. I feel like it's impossible to live in that city and only experience one life. Uh, there's always so many different things that you can, you can just easily jump into. So, uh, being a creative in that city with a kid in a candy shop situation and uh, fun to take advantage of it. Yeah, it's, uh, I was kind of thinking back on, you know, how we met and we met through like the fashion industry, you know, I was modeling, yeah. you were styling with Patrick back in Chicago and, um, you know, it was, it's, you know, it's, it's like, it feels like it's almost 20 years later. I know it's less than that, you know, maybe a few years less than that. Not that, much. <laughs> Not that much less. It actually might actually be 20 years ago <laughs> that we we're met. We're getting very close to it. Oh my God. Uh, that's... It's a good thing I'm not good with dates. Uh, that way I don't really have to remember that. But yeah, the treat was, um, that, that was really, it was the first time, you know, as a, a young creative person, I just moved to Chicago when I, I met Patrick, uh, our, our, our introducer. And um, it's funny, I came from military school, so I had this really regimented upbringing. And then my mom and I moved to Chicago because she got a job transfer. And uh, she was in Las Vegas for a business trip when, uh, like the first month that we were in the city. And then uh, in her hotel room, there was a Chicago magazine that she had brought back. Uh, just as a coincidence, um, and I'm flipping through it, and I come across this article, and it, it's titled, uh, Chicago's Number One Stylist, or something along those lines, and it's this article on Patrick, uh, and it's just about, you know, his day-to-day life, and I'd never heard of a career like that, ever, I didn't know that that was a thing, and uh, it kind of became my goal to find him, I called the editor of the magazine, I called the person that wrote it, nobody could give me his information, uh, and I was working at J. Crew, and all of a sudden I'm at the cash register, and I look up, and there's the treat with two pairs of flip flops. And, uh, and I'm not a starstruck person. I really am. I'm not. I couldn't care less. But that was the first time I couldn't find my words. And I look up and I say, "Do you do you, do you know who you are?" And, uh, <laughs> and you know how Patrick sounds. Well, yes, of course, I'm Patrick. And uh, I basically said, "Here's my phone number. You're either going to hire me to work for you, or you're going to be working." For me, in a couple years, and, um, I got wow. a phone call from him uh, two days later saying I've got a, a photo shoot and uh, show up. And, and I had no idea what I was doing, but uh, you click on your feet and you kind of figure it out. And it was, it was the first time I realized that fashion was a, a business. There's money, there's um, energy, there's talent, there's moving parts. There's just so much in that industry that, uh, you know, 
everybody thinks you have to be able to make a, a couture gown. You don't. You just kind of sometimes need to be able to show up and say, I like something. Mm. Uh, and you're in fashion. Um, so that was a really awesome opportunity. Great guy. Yeah, that was that was amazing and, and the first time I met you we were doing a BMW shoot that Patrick was styling for you were assisting him and we yeah. were working with Sandro who has since become like this incredible talent like global talent yeah you know yeah so I just feel like That's, Chicago was such a breeding ground for talent back then you know it really was it, it was and it still kind of is I think one of the things that people don't realize is that uh, if you ask any creator, any artist, uh, what's the one thing that you need? Um, and I'm saying I could be wrong, but I, I'm going to—I think that a, a good creator, a good artist, is going to say, "I need space." Um, you know, the, ed- the energy and the ideas are inside of me. It's where can I actually? What four walls can I create them in? And I think people flock to cities like New York and Los Angeles because it is where a lot happens. It's where there's a lot of energy in the industry there. But, uh, you know, you get used to creating the shoebox. Um, and in, in cities like Chicago, you just, you know, you can get a studio. Sandra's studio is one of the most beautiful places I've ever been in my life. It's like the size of a gymnasium. And this guy just takes pictures. It's amazing. You can, um, yeah, you can live like a king in Chicago. It's incredible. And I totally, I totally, yeah, I, I lived no in my own apartment as a shoebox so many times that that one really hit me kind of hard. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's uh, it's funny. I um I've had friends from New York come in and visit or stay stay with me here in Chicago. And my one friend commented to me one day. She's like, "This is really bizarre. I'm not used to speaking to you with so much space between us." And it's one of those things where <laughs> I can reach out in both directions and not touch anybody. Um, or a wall, not such a wall. It's amazing. I'm, I'm loving Chicago uh, the second time around uh, way more than I ever thought I would. It's, it's been a great, a great transition. It kind of makes you appreciate it more having lived in New York and then going back <laughs> to Chicago. It's like, oh my God, we had it so good in Chicago. One hundred percent. And then coming back again, it's that whole thing where you're just like, wow. It, it's 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 like my stock divided. All of a sudden, one dollar is worth ten, and I'm just like, wow, this is this is it's a city where you can afford to live well. It's it's one of my absolute favorite cities in the whole world, and I lived there for about seven or eight years, and I just felt like this unending like exploration, you know, through every like creative endeavor, fashion, every you know, Chicago just has so much that people don't even realize, you know. Yeah, no, it's very true. It is very true. You're right. It's, it's, you have to look, but it's, if you look, it's there. Um, and I think there's something special about having to look, too, because it makes what you find that much more um, special. I, I found it absolutely stunning. Like I, I was just gawking at the architecture like some kind of tourist, which I was. And I was just like blown away by how just how beautiful and clean and open it is. It really is. Clean. 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 So clean. <laughs> I was amazed. Actually. It's almost too clean. That that's why I first left. I remember when I first moved to New York. Everyone was like, "Why did you choose New York?" I was like, "Honestly, I wanted a dirty city. Chicago is immaculate." Um, and now, the older I am, I, I want a city that that sparkles around the corner. <laughs> but uh, at that time, the the grime of New York uh, it definitely shouted out to me, and uh, I, I miss it. But it's the other thing is Millennium Park. I don't think that's the end. Uh, people don't realize that is truly, you watch movies like Gattaca and you're like, wow, that's what the future looks like. And then you walk through Millennium Park 
and you're like, wow, that's what Gattaca looks like. This is future's now. Living in it. Yeah. So I mean, you know, we're going through this like crazy time, uh, a time that is un it's like uncharted territory. You know, just finding ways to like maintain your creativity. And, you know, we were kind of talking about that before. This is actually it's kind yeah. of had like an odd effect, you know, kind of like on your work compared to other people's work. Oh, it's it's one of those things where it's funny, once everything came to a screeching halt, I had this weird uh Things were going so good, so good. I don't, I, I don't really word it like this a lot, but uh, a big portion of my time in New York, like I was, I was technically homeless. Like I didn't really uh, have a, a name on a lease, and where I was sleeping, I might have been there for a month, but it wasn't mine. Um, and that transition from you know 15 years ago to where I am now, like the last couple of years, maybe the last three years, things really took off. And my business started really growing, and then everything came to this screeching halt. I was kind of like, I've got all these invoices that are out for clients. I'm just like, when is this money coming in? And and um, you know, I I thought it was just going to be two months of three months, four months of me not knowing what was, was happening, and people are just going to you know not be looking at art or looking for art. And then um, out of nowhere, it just started. Uh, you know, it's one of those things where where you realize what's the point of living if it's not to find beautiful things. And that's not to say my work's beautiful or anything like that, but it's more people are still looking for art. People are still looking for beauty. People are still looking for uh, things to bring into their life that um, that makes them smile. And right now when you're stuck in your home 24 hours a day, seven days a week, uh, if you don't have good art, then that is a prison sentence. You're literally stuck in a box. We're referring to your site, thebms.com, where you're, you you make and sell these artfully gilded, hand-tacked, hardcover books, paintings, other home decor, like absolutely phenomenal, unique, and chic pieces. You still, even through this trying time, find the find it within you to like create these absolutely unique pieces that and that people are like now seeking out. Well, the other thing is, it's funny. So my mom always says I'm really good at doing the easy stuff, and that sounds worse than it actually is. And, and as, as an artist, any artist will tell you, there's that point where you say, I love creating, and then now I want to monetize that. And you, you realize that as an artist, the easy stuff is the creating. Um, I could do that 20, I can work so hard on that. I'm working insanely hard, but I'm not working smart. Uh, and this also, you know, being confined to our homes, uh, suddenly made me realize that it is a new terrain. I'm sitting in my apartment one night, and it's going to sound like I'm making it up, but uh, not. Um, and all of a sudden, Video Killed the Radio Star popped into my head, and I'm like, oh, that's funny. Uh, you know, it was all about radio, and then music video came along, and now nobody cares about, you know, what you sound like. It's how you look and what's your music video. And then I kind of had this realization that retail is experiencing the same thing. Um, it used to be you went to your, your clothing store and your salesperson told you what it was that you needed. And you had to go there to have that encounter and see what was new. And now you don't need a salesperson. Now the influencer is your salesperson. That person with 60,000 Instagram followers that, uh, you know, puts out a picture of your, your product. And then all of a sudden, you know, the salesperson can move four of my pieces and this influencer suddenly just moved 60 of my pieces in a day versus the four pieces in a week that the store moved. 
Um, and so it's kind of, I think it's challenging the more business savvy creators and artists to find ways to really get into this. It's the wild, wild west. Like, how do you get into this? It's, it's, people have never been more addicted to their phones right now. And, and how do you get them to turn that into attention to you? Um, and what is it that you do? And, and I, the cool thing is we're all in the same boat. We all have access to the same thing. There's no big secret. There's no big mystery. You don't need a million dollars to get an Instagram account. You just need two thumbs and a phone. Not even two thumbs. I don't want to limit you. You just need a phone. Not even a phone. Use somebody else's. Just get the account. <laughs> like you don't need anything. You just need the account. Um, and so yeah, I think it's, it's challenging a lot of artists right now to, uh, cause you could sit home and be like, I'm bummed. Nobody's going to my gallery shows. Nobody's buying my stuff. Or you can say, how do I get them to see my stuff without having to get to gallery? Yeah, that's, that's so, yeah, that's it's so very cool. Very thinking. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Instagram, Instagram is the new billboard. You know, Instagram is, is the new magazine. Well, and the other thing that's interesting about Instagram that I don't think a lot of people really understand is that my big, my biggest product is, is my, my, uh, gilded coffee table books. So if I search the hashtag coffee table, you've already opened up your front door and said, I want the world to see my coffee table. So there's nothing wrong with me saying, well, I can make it nicer. Um, it's not like I'm, 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 uh, randomly knocking on doors like a Mary Kay salesperson and saying, let me change your life. You've already showed me what it is that you want attention for. I can help you get that attention. And it's, it's really finding ways to you find your customer and, and they're there. Um, and there's so much inspiration in there too. I think my work has grown since being inside of other people's homes as well. I'm starting to see what other people, what they value and what they put where and, and how much they appreciate it. Yeah. It's, you know, to your ability to like deconstruct, reimagine, reconstruct that's been such a huge part of, you know, sort of like your signature aesthetic, you know, uh, when, we, when we first met, it was, you know, you were sort of like deconstructing clothes or wedding gowns or different items. And then you were putting them back together and making something completely different, you know, where you were doing that before anybody else was doing it. It's one of those things where I, I, I feel like we're always in this position of standing on the shoulders of giants. Um, being a young creative, I think a lot of what you learn should come from deconstructing really beautiful things. You need to see what's inside, otherwise you can never put it there uh, on your own. And part of that fun was, well, a lot of the hard work's already done. There's zippers here, there's buttons here. Uh, we were talking earlier, and I was saying, you know, I could get a wedding dress that has all this fabric for nothing. And, you know, as a young designer in New York, I didn't have money, so I needed fabric, and that was a really great way to do it. Um, and it was one of those things where, you know, I'm also a firm believer in there's already enough stuff um, on the earth. We don't necessarily need to be making more and more. Um, and so you're right, a lot of my work really has been taking stuff that people have forgotten about and saying, well, let's not landfill this yet. Let's, uh, let's slap a new coat on it. And, and see if somebody can appreciate this whole thing again. Um, and more often than not, people do. I'm not reinventing a wheel. These are, these are objects and items and silhouettes people are already familiar with. Now it's just a new reimagined way for them to appreciate it and incorporate it back into their life. Um, and it's unique. It's one of a kind. It, 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 in 
the world that we live in now, everybody's shopping at Target and Amazon, everyone has the exact same at everything. So if you have the opportunity to have something that is different, why not? My favorite compliment is where'd you get that from? That's why I don't understand logos. I, I've never understood the idea of wearing a, a Gucci logo head to toe. Nobody's ever going to say that's a great outfit. Where'd you get it from? They're going to say, wow, you're wearing Gucci. <laughs> so true. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like, it's not a compliment. It's an observation. Like, that's it. Um, and so I just, yeah, I, I think being able to have something that's, that's unique. And with working with reclaimed things, I don't have to charge you six thousand dollars for it. It's it's you know it's 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 recycled. It's 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 giving people the opportunity to have something unique and original and one of a kind at a price that's not calorie pricing. I think that that's also another thing to do. The obviously it's accessible. Yeah, that's so. I I love that perspective. You know, there are we have enough stuff in the world. So much stuff. We have too much stuff. Oh, it's funny, like. In New York, it was really cool. It's a double-edged pool. Like I get to, I got to, to experience uh, uh, other sides of the coin that that uh, you know you only dream about in some situations. And I would have clients or business partners in some situations that were in the top percent. And all of a sudden, you're like, you're looking in these closets, and you're like, wow, you've got six Birkin bags, and you don't carry any of them. Every gown in here still has the price tag on it. And each one of them is a semester at school. And you don't wear them. <laughs> and every single day, you're in the same jeans and same t-shirt. And it's just like, but you keep consuming. And that's the thing. I think society, is, I, I always kind of break it down in, into two categories. You've got consumers and creators. Um, there are people that just consume. And then there are people who make stuff for consumers. Um, and it's, it's, I think it's two different mindsets. It's people that understand what goes into something, and the creator you know, and the consumer you just expect to open your cabinet and to see it there. And that, and that consumerism has also made us like fall prey to like fast fashion too, right? This complete dissociation. Oh my God, yeah. In, in the same way that we're like, oh, our food comes from the grocery stores. It doesn't. You know, there's a whole, there's a whole no. process that goes into it. <laughs> That, you know, fast fashion has just made us throw away things that are like old or that, you know, have one tear or one rip in them instead of just uh -huh. being able to like, you know, yep. use our own agency, our own uh, talent, our own ability to just like mend and renew. Oh, yeah. Ask anybody right now under the age of 30. And I'm making a blanket statement. I do that a lot. And I'm very new with them. Uh, under the age of 30 to sew on a button. Like they can't. I can't. And I'm a designer. <laughs> like every button I sew on pops off. Because it was just one of those things where, and I'm not blaming my mom, but my mom didn't teach me. And it's just, it, it's not her fault. It's, well, it, there's those things where, like, as a, as a, as a society, we've slowly chipped away. Like, you don't need to know how to hem your pants because we're just going to give you free alterations at Uniqlo. Come back in an hour and they're done. Well, what happens when you, you can't go to Uniqlo because the entire planet's in lockdown and everyone's just walking around with their pants dragging because nobody knows how to cut something, fold it, and sew it. These are things that we should understand, and fast fashion is taking that away. If you want to see a really good movie, I just watched it last night, actually. It's called Greed. It is a drama, it's not a drama, it's a comedy starring Steve Coogan and Amy Adams, I want to say. And it's basically loosely based off of the, the guy that owns Topshop in London. So it's about a billionaire 
celebrating his 60th birthday and he's made his money in the fast fashion industry. And it sounds like a fun movie and then all of a sudden you realize what goes into fast fashion. And it, oh, it's yeah. telling the story of him planning his multi-million dollar party, cutting in with the India factories where people are dying from suffocation because the work conditions are wow. so bad. And it's just like, wow, these, these people are making 50 cents a day and you're spending $3 million so J-Lo can shake her ass at your birthday. Wow. That's huge. Just like that, that, that's crazy to me. And it's, I'm not saying that people in the factory need to be making a billion a year, but like that, we don't, we don't think about it. We just know that Zara's fun. And we know that it's exciting and everyone in there is smiling, but we don't think about the human toll that goes into, to creating that. And it is, it's, 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 I think anybody that's working for 50 cents a day, you call it what you want, that's trafficking. That's not, that's not fair. That's not right. Um, yep. And it's, it's because it's so far away from us, we don't think about it, but it's pretty terrible. Yeah. Empowering people to like do what you do, which is look at something, re- reimagine, deconstruct, reconstruct, like take old things yeah. and new. It, it threatens that paradigm. It threatens that. It threatens that. Paradigm. I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It should threaten that paradigm because it is one of those things. But there's nothing scarier than competition. And once you realize that the competition coming at you, isn't coming at you with a, a, a billion dollar backer. They're coming at you with an Instagram account and some cool pictures. And that's, that's your competition. I'll never forget one day when, um, we had Sloan, uh, our, our shop, uh, my buddy Aaron Camus and I, uh, we had Sloan together and this older couple comes in the, the shop one day and it was, we had hours whenever we lived there. So we just opened when we opened, we closed and we closed. If you knock on the window and we were there, we would open. Um, one day this couple comes in and it's probably like eight o'clock at night and they're literally walking around the shop for maybe 45 minutes to an hour, like a uh, late fifties, early sixties. And I'm asking like, do you guys need any help? Like anything. We're just sitting in here and me and Aaron are stoned off our asses. We're just trying to make sure that people don't feel like we're being rude. And um, finally, though, like as they're leaving, they didn't buy anything, just fine. Um, as they're leaving, the dude stops in the doorway and he says, "You know, it's funny. Uh, there are companies that spend tens of millions of dollars to get what you obviously didn't spend anything on." And it was like this weird backhanded compliment, but it was so on point. Like what we had mm. was effortless, and other people would come in, and we would, it's funny, we would see people, and friends would come up and say, look what we just saw on the other side of Soho, we did that three weeks ago, and it's like, and it's not as good as we did it, we did it with, you know, cardboard that we got from a, uh, a G-Star installation that they threw out on the street, and we decided to spray paint, and these people decided to, you know, fly in a French artist to do it, and now it just looks cheap, and it, 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 it's, 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 it is. It's leveling the playing field. I, I don't think that people understand just how powerful uh, the internet is. We're doing a radio show right now, basically. Like, there's no satellites involved. We're not sitting in a million-dollar studio, and we are giving people like Howard Stern a run for his money. I mean, maybe that's not the same view, but you get what I'm saying. Like, we are in that very arena. True. It's very true. Yeah. And we don't have satellites. Like, it's we don't. It's like we. <laughs> We just create from what we have inside, and that's what you did. And with with Sloan, I don't think a lot of people even understood the gravity of how important that space was and that time was, because it was an immersive space. Y'all were always doing events. Your event was one of my favorites. I keep... 
I keep uh, uh, coming through, coming across pictures in like old galleries on my uh, on my 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 Dropbox and my computer. And the party that you had for your your uh, your event was I'll never forget that. That was actually one of the most. Uh... It was an art exhibition. It was my first art exhibition. I'd never done anything like this in my life. You know, I'd spent a year creating this artwork, or maybe like nine months creating this body of work, and we had like you know it was like you know, your designs and it was, it was packed. It was like, and it was basically, we sold almost every piece of artwork. We had a short film premiere. We, I published a book. We had musical performances and it was, but to me, I was inspired by the space to create all that we created together. You know what I mean? It was, it was something that, I, and I, we were actually, Raj and I were talking about this uh, too as well. The underground boxing events that y'all used to have with male supermodels. That was Aaron Brainchild. Aaron, uh, and you remember Aaron, that was really, he, I don't know how he came up with it. I don't know <laughs> what, but that was one of those things where once that started, I don't think it could ever stop. So I don't know, I don't, Maybe it's still happening. You'll never know unless you know, because they really, literally were underground male model boxing matches. And what was so cool, so the space that we had, it was a corner spot, pretty big, it was actually a really big spot, and uh, like maybe 20 foot ceilings and floor to ceiling windows, but they had garage doors. So like when we did these boxing events, we could roll down the garage doors at night and you like would have no idea that inside there was like 400 people screaming while these two six foot three gods are beating the crap out of each other um it's a fight club experience it was that was insane it got so big that we were only were able to have two or three in the space before it got so big that there had to be auxiliary locations um yes and i i think i went to like either the second or the third one i walked in there like First of all, I didn't even think they were going to let me in because I definitely was not cool enough. The coolest, like the top DJs and like the biggest drag queen that's in New York at the time and like celebrities and supermodels. And and I'm like, yo, I just walk out of my apartment with my pajamas on. And when she says, when she says walked out of my apartment, like she, she was, Monica, you were telling me about the story where like, you know, it was like a little twist of Providence where you moved from Chicago and Brian, you moved from Chicago, and you had an apartment directly across from Sloan? Yes, and it's like, I literally bumped into Brian, and I'm like, what the hell? Like, how did you, like, what? And literally, I can look out, I can look out my living room window and look right into his shop, you know? And I was like, and I kept, I used to just, yes, it was so crazy. It was, you know, and then, like, Bradley Theodore, who became one of my really good friends, then he had a shop that was like kitty corner almost to like Sloan. And it was like that that was the time when the 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 nights, the 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 city nights in, in New York had this energy that was like electric. It was like bouncing off the off the cement. It felt like that, you yeah. know? No, it really I think it's because honestly at that time, I feel like everybody was in this weird trapeze game, if you will. Like, there isn't, when you don't have the ability to relax, all you can do is keep moving. And I think 
think that's what we had to do. I mean, it's it, it's strange now. I was saying earlier that like um you know in the past couple of years been really good, and and suddenly I'm in this position where I'm 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 not going to say we're comfortable because I'm never comfortable, but like I I I'm starting to see the, the the benefits for all the work I put in come back, and I'm realizing that my new challenge and my new hurdle is saying, well, you don't have to today, but you should when it comes to creating. Because, you know, I, I'm, I'm suddenly in a position where I can say, oh, maybe I'll take a week and do nothing. Because, I, you know, if I did nothing then, I literally starve. And, and so it was out of necessity that I created. I'm not a mathematician. I'm never going to put somebody on the moon. I'm not going to come up with a new way to make a, a motor engine. I'm, all I can do is use my hands to, to shape things. And, uh, so out of necessity, like I had to, I had to do that for what I need. And now it's, 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 my new challenge is trying to find ways to just constantly keep that creative energy going. Um, and it's, it's a part of why I'm excited to, to focus on the, the business aspect of art now too, because it, it's a whole new challenge and it's, it's a fun, fun brain exercise that I wasn't planning on. Um, yeah, and man, as artists, like manifesting things with our hands and our minds is is kind of like breathing. You know, it's kind of just like it's yeah. You need it to feel alive. No, feel, feel that fire. You're right. Belly. You're one hundred percent right with that. And it's it's um well, not the other thing. I also kind of like the thing that makes me excited about it is is it's I look at it like magic in a weird way or, or alchemy in some situations. I mean, I really do think that artists are alchemists. Uh, we have the ability to take nothing and turn that into money. Uh, it's, it's absolutely. That's, it is that's, magic. It's yeah. Well said, alchemy. Well said. Yeah. You can you can just take take an empty room, take an empty empty space, and then make two people just yep. um, box each other, and all of a sudden you're <laughs> you're drawing just throngs of yep. people, and yep. and you can start something out of nothing. That is the magic. Nothing. Of, being a creative. You could tape a banana to a wall and tell somebody that you want $150,000 for it. Like, that's magic. That's magic. There's yeah. no <laughs> other word for that. No other word. Um, none. But I feel like you were, you know, you were at the epicenter and I, and I feel like this is the type of person you are. You were at the epicenter of this creative like revolution back then you know like you were aligning and bringing together you know uh fashion like art is fashion really bringing art bringing fashion back to art and then you were using like dancers and voguers and like voguing houses and i was like i used to watch you in awe like you were doing things that you know, people are doing a lot of that today, but back then nobody was thinking about that. It's like, but you had these ideas that evolved like a period. I appreciate that. That's um, I, I think, I think a lot of people, at least, well, I guess just in general, uh, they like security, and and I think because of that, a lot of a lot of creatives are. At least what I, I noticed when I was in, 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 in New York and in, in fashion school in Chicago, everyone was so excited to jump onto an already established thing. I want to go to New York and work for Marc Jacobs. I want to get a job at Ralph Lauren. I want to be the next designer at Oscar de la Renza. And I think a lot of people had that mentality. And 
I think what made what we were doing at Sloan different than that was uh, nobody creating there wanted to be a part of anything other than what it was they were creating. And not in a selfish way. It was just more, you know, I, and not me, but the universal I, the people that were involved in Sloan, I've got a vision. And, and rather than give that vision to... Harry, the guy that owns the bar down the street, Aaron wanted to turn his bar vision into the boxing matches. And Harry was never going to do that, but Aaron could. And it was just that, that idea of it was a free creative space. You literally came in and said, I want to host an event, and we gave you a white box. And you came in and you created your space. Like, it it was just, it was an amphitheater for ideas. Like, I, it really just... It was, a, it was an awesome platform. I don't think anything like that has been in the city since. Everyone was broke then, so who knows? I think going forward, with 30 million people out of work right now, we might have a resurgence of this really awesome creative, uh, creative class. Necessity is the mother of invention, and we have 30 million unemployed right now. Yeah. You know? So like, getting creative yeah. and making something out of nothing is, is going to be yeah. a necessity, you know, because... Uh, because we, we're, we're, we're a very creative, we're a very adaptive species uh, of monkey. <laughs> I know, we're like, we're technological monkeys now. We're kind of plugged into the machine. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. But yeah, like you but, said, uh, the internet is the great equalizer, right? And we've mentioned that in previous episodes. The internet is the great equalizer. People are, people with this hunger, with this necessity, creatives with this necessity, these these kids coming out of school with with no nothing to nothing great to look forward to in the job market are going to have to start to get really inventive extremely yeah. inventive yeah and i think we're at, we actually could go back to that era now because all of us were broke just true. trying to just trying to survive from month to month so and true i think the only and again i'm back to my blanket statements because i'm really good at them uh i think in order for that to happen the there's this mindset that does kind of need to get hammered out before that can. I feel like the biggest thing that I've noticed and have been noticing is what made Sloan work was everybody understood and part of my language we were in this shit together. It was, there was, if we didn't fix it, it didn't get fixed. We didn't have hot water. We didn't have heat. Uh, we spent a month when we were kicked out of our store because the owner of the building rented it to a gallery from Nebraska for Thanksgiving, we spent a month upstairs on the second floor, the 6,000 square foot loft. That, and by the way, be very careful what you wish for because you will get it. I side note. But remember, we had one of the boxing matches at this loft. And so when it got so big, we had to go off the road. We had it at um, this loft in Soho, and it was, you know, elevator doors open up, and it's huge space that just got windows overlooking the city. And uh, I looked at my buddy Weston, and I'm like, dude, this is it. This is what I want. I want a full floor loft in Soho. I want a ton of windows, and I want an elevator door that opens up into my loft. So then we wake up, we find out that we're being kicked out of our store for a month because it just got rented out. But our buddy that owned the building said, well, you guys can take the loft upstairs. So it's a 6,000 square foot loft with windows everywhere and elevator doors that open up into this 6,000 square foot loft. It didn't have heat. It didn't have electricity. It didn't have plumbing. It didn't have running water. There was no bathroom. There was holes in the floor. There was holes in the ceiling. Um, there was no insulation. I didn't ask for any of that stuff. I just asked for 6,000 square feet. <laughs> and it suddenly made me realize 
<laughs> be very specific. Be very. And don't think wishes. you're asking for too much. Yeah. Be very careful what you wish for. Um, but a part of what made Sloan work was, again, we all knew that this month we are peeing in a bucket. I don't know that people these days have that, if that makes any sense. Um, I'm sure that there are some people that do. I just feel like as, as a whole, we get mad when Amazon can't deliver our face mask in the same day. I, yes, we yes. couldn't afford that problem then. You know, like that wasn't a problem we had the luxury of having. Um, and we and we've become like technology and accessibility, and it's just made us kind of cushy. But we are definitely on the verge of a renaissance, like because I hope so. You're about to gather your eyes. I hope so. <laughs> we need I, it. I think so. We I mean, do. I, I I think that it this 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 very very specific slice of humble pie that we've been served by Mother Nature. The telling us to calm the fuck down <laughs> and 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 understand that we don't we don't we can't fulfill these uh these fantasies of infinite capitalistic expansion at the at the cost of our own future like, <laughs> I, I think i no, think it is that is gonna cause us to like start to get inventive in the same way that you know women during the great depression were making their were sewing up rice flour sacks for their kids to wear as clothes you know and uh, maybe not to that degree but um, if it does get worse, you know, we're going to have to learn to like let go of our creature comforts and start to get real, you know, season three of Lost, <laughs> you know, or get, get really inventive. <laughs> but there's also this, it's funny you weren't like that because there is also this weird level of having to swallow your pride, like it, 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 on, a, on a global level, like going to school in a potato sack dress is well today if you did that it would say Dolce Gabbana and have a zipper pack and be a four thousand dollar cocktail. But in those situations it's we don't have anything else. And collectively as a community, nobody has anything else. I, I, I hope the community starts to grow out of this because it would be really awesome if if uh, if it did. I don't know that it's gonna be easy for communities to pop up, you know, the six foot distance that people think is important. Um, Well, it's not, it's definitely not going to be the same, but you know, once again, the internet connecting us all, uh, just like these, yeah. I don't know, people connecting over zoom, this essentially, this, what we're doing right now is essential, uh, essentially a, a case in point of what I'm talking about. You know, we've, we've talked to individuals on this show, like yourself with absolutely like phenomenal ideas. And I think that bringing humanity new ideas is one of the greatest services that we can do. You know, that's what we aim to do on this show. Oh, for so, sure. So that it's one of, it's one of several ways, you know, that people are going to innovate in this crisis. It really is. It's, um, it, it, it's, uh, it's funny. I, through all of this, I was like, oh, wow, the stock market just crashed. I've never been into stock stocks before. So I was like, well, let me take a hundred bucks and see what I can do. It sounds fun. Everything's dirt cheap right now. Um, so what, and, and the only point of this, this, <laughs> this story is one of the stocks that I've been paying attention to was Shopify. And when I first, once everything started to fall apart, Shopify stock was at like $390 a share. 
And in the last two months, it's gone from 390 to over 650, close to 700. And what that tells me is that a lot of people are at home right now saying, well, maybe now is the time I finally make my website and start selling some of these things that I've been making for the last 20 years. Yeah. And, and so to see that amount of growth in two months' time, your stock doubled. I don't, I'm not a mathematician, but it came pretty close to doubling. Uh, to see that amount of growth, on a product that is is created for people to to create is pretty inspiring. I thought that, that I mean it really made me smile. I wish I could have afforded to buy a few shares and be a little happier now. But um, <laughs> that was, uh, and you won't see that happen for retail. No, you won't. It's going to be so dear, and that's like I'm. It's funny to me, and, and, and this is off topic. I apologize, but the idea of going to a website for a store to fill up my shopping cart with stuff. To then go to the bathroom, take a shower, get dressed, get on the train, train downtown so some salesperson through a glass door and a mask and gloves can <laughs> hand me what it is I just ordered. What? No. Just have it delivered. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. It will be a different future for retail, for sure. It's a different retail, a different future. But speaking of future... You know, what are the products that you have coming up and how can people stay in contact with you and support your creativity and also own an original piece? Ah, um, all very good question. Right now, I'm working on a really cool furniture collaboration uh, with a, a shop here in Chicago called Pagoda Red. And they specialize in antiques, which is fantastic because it's exactly what I like to do. Um, so they import a lot of stuff from uh, Africa and China. Uh, so I'm getting to rework a lot of their vintage pieces, which has been really awesome. Um, they're currently for sale on firstdibs.com, uh, which coming from the fashion world, first dibs is, is, uh, an artist. It, it's, it's an artist's version of being carried at Bergdorf Goodman. Um, there's like Picasso's yeah. on that website and stuff. So if you want to buy a million dollar yeah. lamp, that's where you go to buy it. Um, so I'm super excited to be on First Dibs, um, which is really great. And it's been selling, which is even better. Um, and then uh, Instagram, like I was saying earlier, it's the easiest way to get in touch with anybody. Everybody's stuck to their phones um, at all times. I will probably get back to you if you DM me within an hour. Um, and my Instagram is T-H-E- underscore BMS, the BMS, uh, which are my initials, Brian, Michael, Stan Dale. Awesome. Awesome. Did I answer all those questions? Yeah, you did. You inspire me personally endlessly. Like I just watch you and I am just in awe of who you are because you have this creative capacity that has no ceiling, you know, there is no, there is no end to what you can create and you are, you always transform, you know, you're like, okay, been there, done that. And now I'm moving on and you don't hold on to the energy of energy of that. You just keep it pushing and creating. And I'm like, damn, Brian, like. You can't get stuck in the past. You got to keep moving. And that, that's, that's a, that's a rare ability that uh, alchemical ability to transmute, you know, what you see into something that's completely new, completely, um, completely unseen. You know, that's that's absolute magic. We really appreciate having you on the show, and definitely check Brian out once again on Instagram at 
the underscore BMS. And also check out his website. He has absolutely incredible stuff uh, available at the-bms.com. Yes. And, and one last thank thing I want to bring up, which it's also your great capacity to, to like create and love and give is that you have um, offered to uh, to help us to fundraise yeah. with one of your pieces for Beauty for Freedom. Amazing. I want to do, do a special piece for you guys. I think it would be really awesome. And Monica, you have truly, since I've known you since day one, have had one of the biggest hearts of anybody that I've ever, Aww. ever met. Um, and to see you not stop just sharing what it is that you do with the world has truly been an inspiration. Um, so it, 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 it is more than a pleasure and, and never, ever a bother to do anything that, uh, that I can do to help you. You've really been such an amazing person. So, anyway, that's all I got. Uh, thank you so much. That's Brian. amazing. You know, you know, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful and I want to use this platform as like a springboard for us to have this like global collaboration with all of these different <laughs> artists. And, you know, it's like, we want to like share what you're doing in this world, you know, that's so amazing. And we want to bring more people to your platform and we want to, you know, sort of like create this kind of like in that energy that we had in New York all those years ago of how everybody just kind of put everything they had together to create more. And that, that energy never goes away. It just transforms. It was so wonderful connecting with you, Brian, and learning more about the BMS. We're, we're so grateful for your time and look forward to working with you and sharing more of your work with our audience in the future. So folks, please check out the episode notes for more details about purchasing Brian's artwork and staying in touch with him and any updates about the BMS. Breaking distance, connecting communities, igniting change. 